Article 4, personally, from the editor, Pastor Dan Gaiman. Greetings to our covenant family whose European roots reach into the archives of history, into Central Asia and the region where ancient Israel was carried captive under Assyrian and Babylonian kings. There they remained for a time prior to their steady westward migration east, around the Caspian Sea, into the steppes of Russia. Another major migration took them to the Caucasus Mountains, hence the derivation of the name Caucasian. Finally, they poured into Asia Minor, where Turkey is today. Centuries before the birth of Jesus Christ, the tribes of Israel taken into Central Asia by both the Assyrians in 771 to 721 and 713 BC, and later the Chaldeans or Babylonians in 588 and 606 to 607 BC, were making their way north and west from the lands of their captivities. The Assyrians, Babylonians, Medes, and Persians had occupied these lands. As the Israelite tribes moved north and west out of Central Asia, Western and Northern Europe became the setting for these Gothic Germanic tribes that later emerged into the nations and states of Europe. It is nothing less than amazing to dive into the archives of history and examine the origins of the European peoples who explored, settled, and civilized Europe, the British Isles, Scandinavia, the United States of America, the Dominion of Canada, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, and other coastal areas into the highest standard of living in recorded history. Christianity, the incarnate Jesus Christ, the Holy Scriptures, Bible law, music, literature, and all the treasures of Western Christian European culture are the foundation upon which the infrastructure of the West was built. What a blessed people and culture! Jehovah Almighty surely had his hand on them. It's inconceivable that this powerful and dynamic Western Christian European cultural standard is willfully disintegrating before our very eyes. The homelands of the West seem to be crumbling into a spiritual abyss. The great European population that once revered God, swore allegiance to his word and law, and produced the most affluent and breathtaking standard of living the world has beheld, is dying by a thousand cuts every day. These Caucasian European people, who once revered and worshipped the living God, and would gladly spend more than their entire adult life building a massive Gothic cathedral, writing music to the glory of God, and making Jesus Christ and Christianity the focus of art, literature, music, architecture, and everything you can imagine, are willfully allowing the hordes from Islam, Africa, India, and Asia to gradually occupy every white homeland in the West. The white people of the West, the very people rooted in the genetics and history of ancient Israel, have lost the will to perpetuate their own kind. Furthermore, the Caucasian people of the West have lost the will to perpetuate the very Western Christian infrastructure that enabled them to park from two to a half dozen vehicles in front of upscale homes, buy high-dollar cell phones, discard unwanted, barely-worn designer clothing, and stack expensive furniture along the curb for whomever may want it. For no other reason than that they are tired of it and want something new. Beyond all this, which alone could leave one shaking his head in disbelief, these Caucasian people 
have declared the biblical template for marriage, children, the family, worship to the living God, and biblical morality as outdated, mere relics of a fossilized past. The music, art, literature, architecture, and everything else that has been a traditional part of their history has lost relevance. White people are perfectly content to enroll their children in the insanity of the woke culture and allow only Asian children to play the music of Bach, Beethoven, Mozart, Vivaldi, Handel, and all of the other masters of Western music. This growing desire to emancipate themselves from the greatest achievements of their ancestors has been manifested in all the arts. What a crying shame. Growing millions of white people are content in their comfortable lifestyles, eating their chips and sipping their beer as they celebrate the black-dominated football, basketball, and other sports. Beginning with the pandemic in early 2020, many of us indeed witnessed a rather substantial decline in much of the affluence that we enjoyed during President Trump's leadership. The loss of U.S. energy independence has impacted just about everything, including gasoline, diesel, natural gas, and electricity. Biden Democrats have not only terminated American energy independence, but also unleashed soaring inflation. The resulting plunge in our economic levels and our moral debauchery have only accelerated with the woke culture of the far left since January of 2021. To understand what is coming, let's make a quick review of America since the end of World War II in 1946. 75 years of material affluence from 1945 to 2000 ended with evil elitists that unleash the coronavirus in 2020. Their agenda is truly one that only Satan and his minions could devise. We must understand that this great, vast abundance and prosperity due to the providential hand of the living God and his blessing upon his people is something we've taken for granted, as though we had earned it ourselves and deserved it. The truth is that these blessings followed the incredible talents, abilities, work ethics, courage, and visionary persistence of the Anglo-Saxon, Germanic, and kindred peoples who populated the United States of America and the West with God-given talents and blessing. These 75 years of prosperity did not occur in a vacuum. A number of factors set in motion post-World War II that made America the richest, most blessed nation in the annals of history. Consider the following factors. Factor 1. The U.S. emerged from World War II in 1945 as the strongest military on Earth. Its standing army and powerful naval force made America the most significant superpower ever. No nation could even come close to competing with the United States and its post-World War II industrial development, enormous military complex, and war machine that quickly converted to manufacturing consumer goods. Quickly, after the war, the world underwent radical changes. After 1945, American naval power began policing the oceans and the sea lanes. No part of the world was outside the watchful eye of U.S. naval operations. America had the power and the will to police the world and enable the safe passage of cargo ships to whenever and wherever they wanted to go. No longer would pirates troll the ocean in search of ships loaded with cargo to plunder in unprotected waterways. The presence of American naval power 
meant that the security necessary for commerce around the globe was firmly in place. The age of pirating cargo goods was over. Number three, with this security and consequent rapid expansion of commerce around the globe, more nations began to participate in providing the kinds of goods that consumers demanded. What followed was a literal explosion of trade. The ever-expanding American naval and military power were making the world a safer place. No nation or even combination of na nations threatened the one nation with the sole power to deliver the atom bomb, or later, take men to the moon. Number four. Before World War II, during the war and for a time thereafter, the United States manufactured its own goods. Thanks to the providential blessings of Almighty God and the admiral American work ethic, we supplied our own people and the world with about everything you can imagine. Many small towns even had shoe and clothing factories, all kinds of consumer goods. Very few products were not stamped made in America. The American brand was coveted throughout the world because made in America meant you were getting a superior product. Number five. As time unfolded, trade and commerce expanded throughout the world. By the mid-80s, global trade opened up new markets supplied by cheap labor, low taxes, and the necessary security possible on the open seas. Smaller nations began competing to trade consumer goods as well. Cheap labor and easy access to these global markets continued to increase worldwide trade and commerce. Beginning in 1948, the General Agreement of Tariffs and Trade provided rules for the trade and commercial activity of participating nations. This organization was superseded by the World Trade Organization in January of 1995. Throughout these years, China and other communist nations had been quite slow to participate or even qualify as trade partners with the rest of the world. But finally, in 2001, China became a member of the World Trade Organization. For the past 20 years, America and the West have been flooded with cheap goods made in China by a cheap and abundant labor pool. Number six, perhaps one of the most significant events that led to the election of Donald Trump in the stunning U.S. presidential election of 2016 was the transfer of American factories and jobs out of the United States into the cheap labor markets of Asia, including China and Southeast Asia. Chinese factories enjoyed minimal regulations, low taxes, and a far cheaper labor force. Over the last few decades, these factors changed the fortunes of the American worker, particularly middle-class workers and America was transformed from a nation of manufacturing jobs into a large consumer nation buying cheap goods from China and Southeast Asia. Number seven, the American superpower gradually began withdrawing from being policeman to the world. As the single great world power from 1945 on, America's only serious competition came from the Soviet Union until its complete collapse in 1991. The U.S. military-industrial complex, engineered with the aid of war hawks in the U.S. Senate and House, were able to keep America swamped with perpetual, no-win, undeclared political wars beginning with Korea, Vietnam, and then Kuwait, Iraq, and Afghanistan. America may no longer play the role of world policemen because our national debt has soared to $31 trillion, the interest on this debt is becoming a staggering sum of money. The U.S. Treasury spent $724 billion in payment 
on the interest on our public debt. The United States is spending itself into oblivion as it borrows trillions of dollars to fund wars. We currently are fighting a proxy war with Russia and Ukraine and spending endless amounts of borrowed dollars in foreign aid to other countries. The American economy and debt structure represent a ticking time bomb, rapidly moving to a day of economic reckoning. Time for some humor. In trying times such as these, we need to encourage and maintain our sense of humor and enjoy life when we can. After all, our Creator Himself endorsed a merry heart and frowned upon those who dwell in sadness and despondency. A healthy lifestyle is one that always remembers that our eternal God is sovereign over His universe and everything and everyone in it. We would do well to remember these words of Jesus Christ recorded in Matthew 10, verse 29-31. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. The moral of the story of the sparrows is the same that God, who cares for the lowly sparrow, also dearly loves the members of his covenant family above the rest of other creation. If your Father in heaven knows the numbers of hairs on your head, he also knows every need of your life, even before you ask him. Look up. The clouds may be dark, but behind those clouds the sun is shining. If you're patient, God will roll the clouds away, and you will bask in his presence. The Atheist and the Lion A young atheist was walking through the jungle one day. As he looked around, much to his dismay, he saw a lion heading toward him. He turned and started running like crazy, scared to death. He quickly looked over his shoulder, only to see the jaws of the lion opening, revealing its teeth in horrific splendor. The atheist screamed, Oh God, save me! In an instant, time froze. A bright light shined down from above. The man froze motionless before the lion when he heard the voice of God say, you are an atheist. Why do you call upon me when you do not believe in me? Aghast and confused, but also knowing he could not lie, the atheist replied, Well, that's true. I don't believe in you. But how about the lion? Can you make the lion believe in you? The Lord replied, As you wish. The light retracted back into the heavens, and the man could feel the lion's pounding hooves behind him once again. As the atheist resumed running for his life, he couldn't resist looking back to check on the lion's progress. He heard the lion roar and saw his jaws open to snare him, when all of a sudden the lion stopped and pulled back. Shocked, the man looked at the lion as the beast closed his eyes, bowed his head, and prayed, Thank you, Lord, for this meal I'm about to receive. The Problems of a Pastor A pastor was preaching away, and in the middle of his sermon, when he noticed a man had fallen asleep, his head nodding at an odd angle. The preacher paused from his sermon and said to the man's wife, Why don't you wake up your husband? The wife smiled and replied, You put him to sleep, you wake him up. A note about the editor. In mid-February, Pastor Gaiman's time and efforts for this issue were interrupted by a physical impairment 
that demanded immediate attention. He suffered a herniated disc at T11 and T12 in his mid to lower back. Hints of this problem began about a month earlier, but the problem escalated quickly to a crisis point, for it created intense pain on the sciatic nerve and required surgery. The surgeon scraped out around the degenerative disc and made room for the nerve to rest and breathe, as it were. They inserted no spacers or parts. At the time of this writing, Pastor is in a therapy center for about a week to regain strength and ease of mobility. He's still recovering strength, but is doing so much better. What a relief! We praise God for guiding the surgeon's skilled hands and delivering our Pastor Dan of this urgent condition. Jehovah God is a great healer. We praise and thank him. That's all, folks. We would like to extend our gratitude to the wonderful people who've made this issue of The Watchman possible. We pass no collection plates, charge no subscription for this publication, and make no appeals for financial donations. To the glory of Almighty God, our great provider, the Church of Israel has never incurred any debt. If insufficient funds were available for a project, patience was the necessary virtue. This ministry belongs to Jesus Christ, and it is his to continue or to shut down. Having said that, I would be remiss if I failed to acknowledge and thank our eternal God, who by his grace has been so faithful for such a long time. Thank you, Father in heaven, for the people you have inspired to make this publication possible. We are humble to be stewards of God's marvelous kingdom gospel. We praise you, Jehovah God, for every blessing. We have but one mission on this earth. That is the search and rescue of the lost sheep whom Jesus Christ came to save. In the words of the Apostle Peter, May all of his sheep be diligent to make their calling and election sure.